Shop Woodhouse Ford first and experience the difference. The all-new 2022 Bronco Sport is built wild for the thrill seeker, the sightseer, and the day tripper. A capable and dependable SUV that's ready to tackle the dirt, dust, and mud. Bronco Sport offers four models to match the way you explore the outdoors. Shop, finance, and buy your way. Online at WoodhouseFord.com or one of our three convenient Ford locations in Blair, Omaha, or Plattsmith. How's everybody doing today? It's the Commissioner here. Wanted to let you know that we have another great and exciting episode because for the very first time ever, we have another brand new guest meeting us at the summit. That's right. Michael Connor from Sports Talk 790 meets us at the summit to talk about the Houston Astros as well as our Houston Rockets whose season is currently going on. And he obviously knows a lot about it because of the fact that he covers the pre- and post-game coverage for the Houston Astros as well as our Houston Rockets. We talk about the Houston Rockets and where he thinks they are this season, where they're trending. Are they trending in the right direction or in the wrong direction? We also talk about Jalen Green, obviously, as well as Christian Wood. And then we hop into the juice box, talk a little bit about his history as an Astros fan, his love for 90s-era Houston Astros from Jeff Bagwell, Craig Biggio, and he has a very funny story about the Randy Johnson trade talks about that as well we also talk about stuff that's going on currently for the Astros where he thinks Carlos Correa is going to sign and how much he's going to sign for we also talk about Justin Verlander and the return of Justin Verlander as an Astro and how big of a deal it was just to get him back on this team especially with the impending departure of Carlos Correa and as well we have to go home on a game a very fun game uh first time ever we've done this we've done drafts before but the first time ever we've done a baseball draft that's right an MLB Houston Astros specific draft so it was an all-around great time a very exciting episode with Michael Connor at the summit and you can give him a follow right now on Instagram or on Twitter at MC790 that's right at MC790 and you can also hear from him on the Sean Salisbury show Monday through Friday from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. where they discuss all things sports that's right on Sports Talk 790 and if you haven't already give us a follow Summit State of Mind at Summit State of Mind underscore pod on Instagram or at Summit SOM pod on Twitter we're always doing big things there give us a follow and if it's your very first time listening in welcome to the summit where we discuss all things Houston Rockets, but today we're going to discuss things Houston Rockets as well as Houston Astros. So once again, with myself, the GM, and our very special guest for the first time ever, Michael Connor from 790, welcome to the Summit State of Mind. Liftoff will start in T minus 10 seconds. 10, 9, 8, 7. Six. What's up, everyone? This is Ray. This is Chris Chavez. This is your boy, Heezy, a.k.a. Raheel Ramzanali. It's Sean from Shots and Thoughts. This is Timoteo Keister. This is Devin White, a.k.a. The Gentleman. It's your boy, Von Wafer. Five, four, three, two, one. We have ignition. And you're now tuned in to the Summit State of Mind podcast. What is going on, everyone? And you are listening to the Summit State of Mind, the podcast of Dream Shakes and Step Backs. 
and everything Houston Rockets. I am your host, your commissioner, Kenny. Of course, with me as always is my brother, my tag team partner, the GM, Justin. Get that last sip of coffee in, big brother. How you doing? <laughs> Fine Saturday morning. I'm good, man. I had a, made me, what's it called? I did a, some Timex coffee this morning. Did my good pour over. And, okay. Uh, had some breakfast and watched some Ted Lasso. It's all good, man. It's relaxing. Keeping it easy until, you know, the stretch of the, the rest of the, the rest of the day goes, you know? That's right, man. That's right. I, I like that too because I was able to get my breakfast and wash my car. So it was a pretty productive morning for the most part, which is great. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, it's obviously this day is just going to get better because for the first time ever, we have another guest meeting us at the summit for the very first time. He's a he's a cool guy. He's a great guy. Let me see if I can do him justice with a proper intro. I'm known for giving intros and I want to do this man justice. So here we go. He is the co-host to the Sean Salisbury show on 790 from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. Going on Monday through Friday, he handles all the pregame and postgame coverage for our American League champion, Houston Astros, and of course, the Houston Rockets, not not American League champions. He has a podcast called Clutch City with Michael Connor. He is a Houstonian through and through as he was born and raised down here in the greatest city. Introducing for the first time ever, Michael freaking Connor at the summit. Michael, man, how are you doing today? Great. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to be here. It's uh, it's a bit like you guys. I got a, got a lot of stuff going on uh, today because we're getting prepared for Thanksgiving, but uh. You know, it's uh, I've had a productive morning, too. I like that you watched Ted Lasso. Great show, by the way. Dude, that is um, probably my favorite show on television right now. Not even going to lie. It is so good. I've been up since 630. I, you know, I watch the Premier League every Saturday and Sunday. So I, I had to get up and watch that. I made breakfast for the house. And uh, here we go. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to talk some sports. There you go. I know I saw that. I saw what you posted about Chelsea this morning. I saw that Pulisic scored a goal, so which is a great deal. America, USA, 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 USA. <laughs> <laughs> well, Michael, it's great to have you on. Obviously, uh, let's get it. Let's let our people get to know you a little bit. So, you know, get, get, let people I mean, I know I gave you an intro, but like, uh, how did you get into this whole thing? You know, obviously being a Houstonian, but, you know, getting the jobs that you have and just give us a little bit of uh, the discography of your life, I suppose. So it's crazy. I mean, I I grew up listening to 790 as a kid. I found it one day when my mom was taking me home from the orthodontist appointment when I was like 14 years old. She's like, hey, and we drove by this, you know, this restaurant that was up near our neighborhood in Jersey Village. And there was a 790 van out front. She's like, you ever listen to that? And I was like, no. She's like, you should go listen to that. And I went home that day because it was like two o'clock in the afternoon. I started listening. and I was like, hooked like that. I mean, it was just like, this is awesome and then you know in my mind you, you when you're a kid you think i'm gonna play sports i'm gonna play sports i'm gonna be a professional athlete i wasn't the fastest of foot kid i could hit the baseball very far i could throw the baseball hard i could make a bunch of corner threes and i could push a person on the line on on defense in football but i wasn't gonna i like i knew it at like around probably about 14 15 there that i was like hey you know it's probably not gonna happen so when i found that radio though i was like man i gotta do this and then Went off to school at Texas Tech, and I bugged Matt Thomas about getting an internship on Facebook, and um, I just bugged him, bugged him, bugged him, and he eventually helped me out getting in there and you know talking to somebody, and I got an internship, and uh, the rest is history. I've I've had a job there because I I love the place, and it's the coolest thing in the world. And I just worked my way up from the the bottom, you know, producing started off producing stuff on the weekends. Um, Football, sitting around doing dumb football games all day and stuff and 
all the stuff that nobody wants to do. And then eventually here we are. That's awesome, man. That's like, what a, what a, what a, what a beautiful love story. Like, you know, just saying like you had eyes on it from the beginning, you know, as a, as a kid, it's crazy. <laughs> I pinch my, I pinch myself, man. Like I, I just, it's, I don't work a real job. I work a job where I literally get to talk about the teams that I love. Even if they make me mad, I still get to talk about them. <laughs> That's a perfect segue yeah. because we are a, mainly we're a rockets podcast and I don't want to dive too much into these rockets, but I do want to ask you your overall opinion of this Houston Rockets team. Obviously, one in 14. We got a game against New York later in the Mecca. And uh, I just want to ask you, what, what's your overall opinion, Michael, of this it, season? It, so far? You know, what's really going to suck is that they're going to go to the, the Mecca and, and lose because that was one of my favorite things every year is when James Harden was here. They would go there and they would kick the Knicks' ass and they would, you'd listen to those stupid New York fans and they're you know, they're crying and everything. And I'm sure we'll get nice videos like light was, I think it was last year they were there or two years ago they were there or whatever. When they're like, I think it was last season they had limited fans. It's, I don't remember. I'm all over the place. Mm-hmm. But they were yelling cheaters or bleep Altuve, you know, like it's a Knicks game. Why are you yelling bleep Altuve? Yes, like, that was yeah, last it, year. Yes, it makes, that was last it makes year. no sense. <laughs> but, I'm sure, you know, I'm, like, I'm sure they'll fans do that. Are again. Fickle. Oh, yeah. They're crazy. Um, but no, the season, this has been a tough watch. I mean, there's not been, and I, you know, it's going to be a tough watch, right? Like they're playing with a bunch of like 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24 year olds. That's basically a, a bunch of guys with no NBA experience. They're going to stink. It's just, it's just a fact. Like, I think the frustrating thing is you haven't seen a lot of the like small little growth that you want to see, whether it's, you know, more consistency out of Jalen green. I think that they're, they're trying to fit a few you know, square pegs and round holes, round peg, whatever the hell that's saying. Is. Exactly, exactly. I say that all like, the I don't time. Think, I, I don't think the Kevin Porter Jr. thing is going to – I don't think he's a point guard. Like, I think they need a point guard. I think they need somebody to run the point and run something. And I'm fine with playing fast and getting out and doing all that stuff, but, like, they need some they need some structure to it, and I think it's on Steven Silas. And it's also maybe on, you know, Rafael Stone at some point finding a point guard. Or maybe they just think – my thing that I keep saying is, why don't you play DJ Augustine a little bit? He's a veteran. He's been around. He plays point guard. Like have somebody out there that to facilitate the offense and let those guys work. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, also, it's funny that you say point guard because there is a certain $40, $40 million man. That's just, oh yeah, that's just <laughs> kind of chilling. I forget right? about him. Literally, all I forget about right? him. No, seriously. And you talked about you having the greatest job in the world. Good God. John Wall has the greatest yeah. job in the world. My man gets $40 million. He has he's, a great he's, job. Whatever he's doing, he's probably just like, I'm just going to keep going. Like, this is cool. I'm good. He gets to chill on the bench, hang out, hang out with the boys, and he doesn't have to do anything. I mean, you know, he's coaching him up. I see him, like, they'll post videos of him in practice, but he's not like, I guess not a full participant per se. But, you know, hopefully he's whatever he's doing. He's hopefully he's able to help Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, prog- progress forward because, you know, all we're trying to see is some form of progress in the sense of just not just with him, but with everybody, you know, hopefully the turnovers go down for him. The turnovers have gone down as an individual, but as a team, it's just terrible. There's spacing so bad. Sangoon played what five minutes in the last game. Like, yeah. come on now. Let's just, let's just, you know, like, let's just play all the young guys. I'm, I'm ready. Just kind of like over it. Daniel house. He's got to go. Uh, if you've listened to our, if anyone's listened to our podcast, we've been a huge guy against Daniel House playing. You know, we we want him to go. I was a big Tice guy, but I can already see that this is not going to work. It's just yeah. not going to work. You know, um, 
So who knows? I mean, obviously Christian Wood is not playing as well this year as he was last year, but hopefully he'll be able to pick it up in due time if he's still on the team. But mm-hmm. in regards to everything else, let's just hope that Jalen Green can be a little bit more consistent and just gain a little bit more confidence in every other game. You know, that's all we need. That's the, you know, the, the like you mentioned, I like you mentioned the Dana Size thing. I, I, I'm completely with you. Nothing that he has done tells me that he's a fit. And the Christian Wood part of it, like, is a real question because mm-hmm. the contract is up after next season. I have a pretty – I'm pretty confident in knowing that he is a guy that views himself as he's going to get a max deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's – I think you got to show a lot more to get to that point. He definitely has the skill set that could do that. I think – that they're probably for the betterment of the team, maybe going to have to look at trading him in, in this regular season. Cause I don't know if they, they, there's such a risk when you're not good to max that guy out. Like exactly. I just don't know if you could do it to where you can easily trade him. And I know that there's going to be mm-hmm. some serious contenders. Like I think golden state is going to be, if you put him on the market, golden state would be drooling. Now you could say that, what would you want from golden state? Cause they've, Basically, they've got no draft picks left to trade, or they've they've used all of them on other things. Like you're not interested really in anything that they have, and they're not interested in sending anything that you'd have interest in. So, um, I think that if they want to trade him at some point this year, they could get some very valuable assets. That's what this season is going to be. It's going to be about finding out who's going to you know be here, obviously long term, and who the hell's going to you know push themselves out the door. Now, it would be nice if John Wall was tradable. It'd be nice if. I don't know mm-hmm. if Eric Gordon's tradable or not. And Daniel House, like you mentioned, too. Like, I think there's a lot of pieces that you could trade. But then there's the other thing of, like, what does that do to young players' mentalities? Like, how, how does that exactly. – how, how does a young player take that? Like, when you see the franchise saying, well, we really you – know, you guys stink. We're going to trade away anything of value. We're going to keep you, but we're going to trade away anything of value and not give you any tools to win this season. So, it's a fine line. It really is. And I, I, I'm intrigued to see how it goes. The only thing I want, like, as a fan like you guys is when you're watching it, is to have some sort of en- yeah have some sort of enjoyment out of the games. Right now, there's mm-hmm. no enjoyment. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely not. And it's interesting that you say about Christian Wood because of the fact that his contract is going to be up at the end of next, not this season, but next season. There's top two picks. The top two picks coming out of next year's draft is going to be Bonchero, who's a power forward, and Chet Holmgren, who's a center, anyways. And you have Sangoon already on your back pocket as that next big that's going to be coming in it really comes to the point where Christian Wood doesn't really have a true fit. Now he says publicly he wants to stay, mm-hmm. but he's gonna also going to want to get paid that 13 million. He took it as a discount to come here and showcase. Sorry, we got a visitor those. by the way. Oh, nice. Oh. <laughs> what a, What's the what name? Was that boy or girl? That's a girl. It's Coco. Oh, Coco. What a name. Coco, I know you can't hear us, but, but no, you're... welcome to the podcast. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, 13 million. And like, He's going to want, you're right, he's going to want a max deal. And with us vying for a top pick, vying for these prospects that are going to be, you know, Chet Holmgren out of Gonzaga is supposed to be, you know, a generational type talent. He's a good, great two-way player coming out on both ends. Blanchero is averaging about 25 points a game right now as a power forward. He's been showing out as well. It kind of just leaves Christian Wood on the back end of like, maybe he, you know, maybe he is just empty stats. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, on this team, that's all you're really going to be until you know they get better obviously yeah and i think that that you mentioned those two guys and you know where they're going to be picking the rockets are going to be picking top high in the draft for the next I mean, 
realistically probably three, four, five years. I mean, they're going to be a lottery team for that long, I would think. Uh-huh. Yeah, I shouldn't say – it probably won't be five years if Jalen Green pans out. Like, it won't be five years, but Hopefully it's going to be at least – fingers. Yeah, I mean – and I heard Matt Thomas talking about the other day with Steven Silas. Like, if, if I was the Rockets, I would be telling him – to watch everything John Morant does and try to mimic John Morant's game because like they have a similar mm-hmm. skill set and everything, similar bodies, yeah. bodies and everything. Like if he could turn, if he turns into John Morant, that'd be huge for the Rockets. But, um, you know, I, I do think that given that, you know, like I said, with what's going to be available, the likelihood of the Rockets picking, you know, the stupid ping pong balls have to go your way. Of course, we saw how that went last year, which I'm mm-hmm. fine with. I really didn't want Kate Cunningham to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I, uh, <laughs> it is. Uh, see, I was I, I, tr- I tricked myself in for a good while to Evan Mobley, which is crazy. Um, I did too. I did too. I liked Evan Mobley as well, but he looks good mm-hmm. so far. Um, but no, that's why I think trading Christian Wood this year is a is a is a real possibility because I don't I just don't think that you're going to be the one be the team that's going to pay him because I can't, mm-hmm. can't like what's the point of having a, a guy who's a max level guy who's you know, I, I can't tell you that he's not going to be an all-star consistently because I mean, he very well, as long as he stays healthy, like he could put up numbers that can make you borderline all-star last year when he played early in the season. Um, mm-hmm. I just don't see that there's a lot of value for them when they could get a ton of assets that they can use, obviously. Yeah, yeah. and I agree. To, yeah, I agree too. We just have to hope that at some point this needle's going to turn and we at least get, I mean, look, at the end of the day, one in 14, you know, you could still you I know you're vying for ping pong balls and people say this to me. They're like, oh, you know, this is all part of the plan. And I'm like, well, you could still be three and 12. You know, a few more wins isn't going to necessarily hurt the lottery odds either. You know what I mean? So all all's yeah. well that ends well. Hopefully we can end up with uh, some good things, hopefully in the future, whether it be Christian Wood getting traded, getting a few wins here and there. And then Jalen Green's obvious development along with KPJ. So that's all we can hope for. So. Let's move on now. I want to talk about uh, something. Obviously, look, we just got through the Astros in the World Series, and that was mm-hmm. it was such an honor. We got to meet you for the – oh, I got to at least meet you for the first time ever. I knew, I knew my, uh, the GMs have been talking to you quite a bit, but I was the one that got to meet you all, and, and I really appreciate it, and it was really nice. But I want to talk about the Astros, man. Um, the GM says that you all were obviously – are big into 90s Astros. You know, we all grew up in it. So I want to ask, I want I don't want to talk to you about that. So growing up in the 90s, you know, in the times of Baggy and Biggio and Carl Everett and the GM's favorite player, Tony Eusebio, how did you, you know, how did it start? What in the fandom of, you know, 90s Astros start with you? Okay. Yeah. So baseball was my number one of all the three sports. And um, I had a, my best friend as a kid had their family had season tickets at the Astrodome that were like second or third row behind the dugout. And they would invite me to go all the time because we were just little kids. I mean, my first season going to games with them was 97. So I was seven years old or turned seven during that season, but we went 97, 98, 99. Uh, their dad was a massive Jerry Wallace was a massive, massive Astros fan, but his kids is the funniest thing ever. He had four boys, five boys, but four of them were um, still in the house. One of them was older and None of his kids really loved it. I loved it. So I'm a, I'm this little, you know, stupid kid that would sit there. I'd get up every morning. I'd read the Chronicle sports page front to back every single day. So I knew all the stats. I'd sit and I'd read all my baseball cards. Like there wasn't anything as a kid you could sting by me. My dad tells the story to this day. Like he'd be talking baseball or something with somebody and he would get something wrong. And I'd be the one to correct him as a kid, which is like, you know, hilarious to me still. It's like, no, dad, you have that wrong. You have that stat wrong. That's not it. 
Um, <laughs> but we would sit and we would talk. We, he would, he and I would play these games. We bet we, you know, we're not really bet, but we, who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? And we would talk baseball the whole time. So that's really where like it went crazy. And, you know, I was hooked the moment I, you know, got to my first Astros game and it never changed. It, it just it never really did. And, uh, through the thick and the thin, we're still here and, and doing it. And I, I, I'm loving, I'm loving every second of it. I can tell you that. Oh man, absolutely. I totally understand where you're coming from. I remember it was in second grade. I didn't watch any baseball yet. And, um, I won a Craig Biggio poster um, in second grade for my teacher and, um, scholastic book fair, obviously. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I remember, remember those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, th- th- those were the days, you know, and, uh, my, my, uh, my teacher gave me that. I took it home. I hung it on my wall. My dad was like, Oh, let's watch baseball. Since you got this. And I remember my very first game I watched Craig Biggio got hit in the head by a pitch. One and I was just like, I was like, Oh my God, is he okay? And that dude, he, he literally, he was on the ground for a few minutes, but he got up and he just kept on going. I was like, dude, that guy is tough. And ever since then, I remember like the first game I ever watched, I remember me and Kenny, we went with our mom. And we lost the game nine to six, but I remember specifically Craig Biggio hit two homers that night. And that was the very first time we ever watched them in person at the dome. And I was hooked after that. So I totally understand where you're coming from in regards to that. Like the teams were so good, like especially 98. I remember um, we were in New York when Randy Johnson got traded the Astros. And I didn't oh, believe awesome. my, my, I didn't believe my dad. And he you, told me. My dad screwed with me. <laughs> They woke me up. So that, that same Jerry Wallace, he came. He would come over to the house and mess, try to mess with me. He came over to the house because he and my dad were like best friends. And they woke me up. I was sleeping on the couch. And he goes, Michael, Michael, the Astros got Randy Johnson. And, of course, I know who Randy Johnson is. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, they traded Bagwell for him. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> and I, I like had I was like apparently they, they let me they let me go for like 10 minutes thinking they traded jeff bagwell oh my and God. then eventually was like no don't don't worry they didn't trade jeff bagwell <laughs> <laughs> parents man but they would do yeah. well, that, well that's funny because that's what i was gonna say i was like right i was like randy randy johnson for jeff bagwell i was like mm, i don't know about that <laughs> that would have been a bad trade i mean yo yeah terrible it worked out though well, Wait, gonna- well it worked out for a minute well, that's what I was yeah. gonna say. You you cried, so I was, you like well, according to your story, you cried. So I was like, I was gonna ask you who your favorite player was. I mean, I'm I'm assuming it's Bagwell. It was always a toss up. Like I love Bagwell because okay. I played first. I've loved Bagwell because I played first base. And I'm not gonna lie, Jeff Bagwell snubbed me one time as a kid for an autograph, and it kind of it kind of made it it kind of made it hard. I kind of story went, time. Let's go. I was we were I was with my aunt. Now look, I get it now that I'm an older adult. Like I totally understand, but I still wouldn't have snubbed two kids. Like my brother and I were like. I would think I was like six, seven, probably or eight, and so my brother was like six. Um, we're at Carabas with my aunt, and it's the middle of the day, like on a on like a Thursday or something. And she'll tell me this story too. Like, there's nobody in the restaurant. It was it was like us and Jeff Bagwell and his wife at the time. And we went over, and because my aunt knows the the Caraba family very well, and she gave us some shirts. She's like, just because we didn't have anything to get autographed. She's like, take these shirts, and you can go over there and get autographed. And he snubbed us. He said, "No, I'm having I'm having lunch with my wife, like to kids." Unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. And, I, and I, after that, I was kind of like, I, I kind of went back. Like, I think I was crying <laughs> again. Jeff Bagwell making me cry. Um, I was like, he, he said no. He said no. So no, I love Jeff Bag. I've talked to him since, and I've actually told him that, and he laughed about it. 
um, you know, gave me an autograph away from things. I'm not supposed to ask for autographs, but he just gave me an autograph because he's very nice about it. Um, <laughs> but it was uh, so at that moment, like I always loved both. I kind of I was kind of on Team Biggio for a while. At that. We also went to the same church as Biggio. We'd see him Sunday mornings. Um, he'd be at church and he'd leave early so he could get to the ballpark every Sunday. It was always my mom would always point him, hey, there's there's, there's Craig, and I'd I'd wave to him. Sometimes oh. wave back. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, because that—that's the funny thing too. Because I was—I was team Baggy, and and my brother was always team Bidge, so mm. that was always the—that was the setup. And then we'd get, you know, we'd start, we'd go to Baseball Fever, rest in peace, Baseball Fever, a wonderful old uh, baseball card shop, uh, and just get as many rookie cards as we could get our hands on, you know, with the m- money that we make through chores or little odd jobs yes. and you know make it in making it happen you know and i think that's awesome too i'm not like person my story for like 90s astros is and i gotta admit man i'm not i wasn't i i just didn't know i was born in 92 so i was maybe like six or seven during the height of it yeah so I, I didn't i wasn't as into uh watching sports we played a lot of sports you know played basketball baseball football but doing like Astros, it just wasn't really my thing. And and my and Justin would be the one that would be like, Hey Kenny, you know, check this out. Da, 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 check out these stats. Oh, watch this game with me. And I'm like, uh, yeah, that's cool. And I'll watch five minutes and I'll probably move on to playing some Super Nintendo because I got bored. But you know, that's <laughs> that's my that's my like typical story, like of 90s Astros. But I knew the jam wanted to ask you a question about it. But before he asks his question, I have a question for each and every one of y'all. If you haven't already, why haven't you stopped by? The greatest and best acai bowl spot in the entire city of Houston. That's right. I'm talking about Rush Bowls. And we need to give an ad and a shout out right here before we continue on. The GM's going to go ahead and give the ad. I'm going to lob it up to him now. Big brother, let him know where they need to go and who they need to know. Have you wanted a quick alternative for a meal? Trying to curb that sweet kick? How about an acai bowl from Rush Bowls? They have plenty of options for those that are looking for a great healthy meal. I personally would like to start my day off with a bowl after our namesake, the Summit Bowl. You guessed it. It has acai, strawberry, cherry, and your choice of dairy or non-dairy milk. I'm going to say it time and time again. You always got to go with the oat milk. And it's topped with granola, strawberries, honey, and their house-made peanut butter. The best peanut butter I've ever had. They even have deals all throughout the week. Dog on Mondays, where you get a free Bow Wow Bowl for your dog with any purchase of a bowl. Wellness Wednesdays gets you $2 off wellness bowls or smoothies. So if you're, ha- if you're craving a nice, healthy, and light meal, us at the Summit State of Mind highly suggest visiting Rush Bowls and grab yourself a delicious acai bowl. It's the best acai bowl in Houston. Follow them on Instagram at Rush Bowls Houston and visit them at their location at 6001 Washington Avenue, Suite 200, Houston, Texas. And let me tell you, make sure to mention that the Summit State of Mind sent to, because you guessed it, you get 33% off any bowl or smoothie. You get that 33% off. What a wonderful deal. So make sure to mention that the Summit State of Mind sent you. There, there were three huge deadline deals for us that completely changed the dynamic of teams. You know, obviously 98 with Randy, like, you know, flamethrower, unbelievable, you know, and then 2004, Carlos Beltran. Yep. That trade was probably my favorite trade ever 
same. Um, and then Verlander, obviously, in 2017, got his yeah. World Series. I wanted to know what was your favorite trade because, you know, like for me, I remember in 2004, I was still like, man, we got Jeff Kent, um, Biggio's at center, Berkman's literally coming into his own now. Um, I remember there were some things was still going good. On. Yes, Bagwell, his shoulder didn't give out just yet. He was like yeah. hanging by a thread. Yeah, he had like 27 and, home runs that year, I think. I think that I goes underrated remember, too, man. the fact that he was actually still putting up those numbers. People just remember him from 05 kind of being like, you know, kind of a shell of himself. But in 04, he was still doing work. Yeah, yeah I mean, he, he couldn't even throw the ball. Like he would have to like roll the ball in the infield because he just couldn't do anything, you know. But man, I just wanted to know what was the one out of those three, which one was your favorite trade? And, you know, obviously the favorite team to watch and witness. You know what I mean? I mean, the the Verlander one is probably second, but that 17 team will always be the favorite team. Like that that entire season. I remember doing the pre and post game shows that season. I'd always get in fights with people in there because they're like, oh, they're not going to do it. They're not going to make it. I'm like, I'm telling you, there's something different about this team. Like I went to spring training that year. And when you walked in the clubhouse that first day of camp, it just something was different. The vibe was different. You just knew something good was coming. But the the 4 one, the Beltron one, I knew of Carlos Beltron. I didn't know a lot about him at the time. But mm-hmm. when they made that trade in the first – I can remember his first game up in Arlington. His first hit was a double as a right-handed hitter down the line. And I was, like, hooked from that moment because he was, I was like, he's fast. And, you know, the run that he went on, he went 28 home runs in the regular season the rest of the way, and he was perfect. Yeah. Stole, stolen bases. And then what he did in the postseason was just – stupid now it was it worked, magnificent it worked out like his contract he got from the Mets it wouldn't have been a good contract to have because he did only had like really like one or two really good seasons there because he was always getting hurt and everything yep um but that trade to me was the most fun because that like we've seen these Astros hitters get like crazy hot in the postseason the last few years and do historic things but like still nobody's really matched what Beltron did in that one postseason because he did it all and what was the, how many they played four games in the in LDS and then what? They yeah, all, they went seven. They play all seven against yes, the yeah, Cardinals. See that he, he hit what like he hit seven or eight home runs in eleven he, games. He hit eight. I yeah, think he hit eight, un- which is yeah, unbelievable ridiculous. to me. I remember watching that. I, I remember watching the, the in the Cardinals series that one home run he hit off Julian Tavares, where it was like literally like a golf swing. Yeah, that was one of the most impressive things I've ever seen in my life. Was that, that that's swing. phone pull? That's phone pole punching after right. Yes, I think that was Bagwell, the series. Threw Bagwell, that, Bagwell ducked, and then he got taken and then broke his hand, right? Yeah, broke his hand. That's what when I became an Astros fan, by the way. I love <laughs> Julian. Anytime somebody brings up Julian Tavares' name, we, I, I'm, I'm appreciative of it because that means you remember. I remember I remember that vividly. Oh, I was I thinking, what an idiot. <laughs> I know. I was like, what are you doing? That's what I thought. You know, like, you know, it's just like, what, what's a guy, the guy from Milwaukee that broke his hand at the end of the season, That uh, really, one of their big relievers this oh, yeah. year. Yeah, I can't remember guy. his name. Well, Me neither. Don't, don't be Me dumb. Neither. Don't be dumb. Don't sabotage yourself. You know, right? You got to be but, better. Um, <laughs> this is a good segue because you talked about Beltron. Um, of course, we're going to talk about Correa. Um, you know, obviously, I know that you're on the uh, train where you think he's already gone. A lot of people believe that he's already gone as well. Um, my question to you is one: What do you think? Do you really think he's going to get three hundred million from someone? And two. What team do you think he's going to go to? Because do you really believe that Detroit is the team, or do you think that Detroit is leverage for who, think, where he really wants to go? I think Detroit is the team that I think I, I really do think he's going to end up in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that they like him a lot. 
I know that he has a very large offer already on the table from the Rangers. Um, and that one they've been, I, I heard that during the regular season, like the Rangers were going to make a huge offer. And I was just like, okay, whatever. Um, I do think he's going to get 300 million. I think he's going to get somewhere between 325 and 350. And I think, he's gonna get, I think he's going to get it for 10 years. And I don't blame the Astros for not being in on him because just look at the history of those contracts. They're just not good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I do think that there's a risk with him with the back stuff. I really do. I think that there was a lot of stuff that you didn't hear about this season that he kept off the books in terms of his back and the treatment of it. Um, I wouldn't be comfortable get like I as as much as people like want to get mad and I think it's within everybody's right to get mad at the organization for not extending because he look, it's the emotional side of things. That's what it is. This player Absolutely. is one of the historic best. You you thought he was going to be part of your – you thought he and Correa or uh, Altuve were going to be your next Bagwell Biggio forever. Um, mm-hmm. But it's – he's not – and this sounds like it's blasphemous, but it's really not. He's never, he's never put together – even though he had a great season this past year, great season in the field. Mm-hmm. Um, his plate discipline was way better. He's never had an MVP-level season at the plate. I just no. – I could, I could mm-hmm. live with – giving him like that's why i think if he'd sign a five-year deal for 35 million dollars a year or the 32 that they offered him i'd do it in a heartbeat i i'm with the astros in the belief of you can't give out six or more years to most of these guys when they're in their mid-20s if he was 24 when he's a free agent 10-year deal don't even worry about it but he's like they did like but like tatis or whatever like yeah like what yeah Mm -hmm. you know exactly Mm -hmm. yeah it makes sense i mean you know, I understand in regards to the health and in regards to the money and the length, but at the same time, you know, like I hate to compare them, but you know, obviously he talked about Jeter. Now he didn't deserve his gold gloves. Mm-hmm. I think that was in co- out of context. I mean, it doesn't really. Yeah, matter I love. The, I love the head. I love it's, the head. People just grab the headline instead of reading yeah, what he actually said. It, it, and the fact that ridiculous. he was a Yankee, and the fact that he was a Yankee, like it's it's going to push the Yankees wrong buttons. Twitter just lost their damn mind. And I just kind of sat, I just sat back and enjoyed it. <laughs> I did too. Yeah. Right. right? I mean, you know, like in, like in, 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 in um, my eyes, I'm not going to completely speak for Kenny, but at the end of the day, I will obviously compare Korea to Jeter in the sense of the leadership and what he brings to the table. Jeter wasn't, wasn't always head over heels average wise, home run wise, but the effect that he had on the field and the effect that he had in the, in the, in the clubhouse I think was the crucial thing, like, you know, showing yourself as a professional, being the face of a franchise and just having that confidence, that swagger, you know, like when, when Jeter, when Jeter put on that uniform, you knew that that was the Yankees and that was the Yankee way. I mean, as, as lame as people say it is, that's the truth. And when I look at Correa, that's what I see him as like the leader, the person that led the team, even though, you know, Springer, when Springer was here, he was, you know, club Astros, it was all great all you know what what would you say like all all the shiny things all all wonderful you know but he wasn't the person that would talk he wasn't the guy that would uh stick up for the team you know that was what carlos would do and a part of me believes that that when you lose a person like that that has a that makes a huge dent in the clubhouse because who will be the voice of the team you know when the scandal was happening he was the one that was fighting for us and telling people like you don't know what's going on and you know, if you don't know the facts, then, you know, like what he said, yeah. you know, shut the F up. Right. Yep. Um, obviously 
that's the emotional side of things. I don't know. For me, it's like, it's like, I wish that he could come to like an agreement in the sense of like a, a median, you know, if he really wanted to stay like Astros want offer five, he wants 10. Why don't we go to seven or eight with an out after five? You know what I mean? Give that yeah. option, you know, yeah. but obviously he wouldn't want that. He wants yeah. like the full guarantee considering his health. He's got a kid on the way. And, you know, like, honestly, I would not be surprised, even though they say that New York isn't in on it. I wouldn't be surprised if they came up at the last minute and just said, you know, this is our offer. You know, he has Alex Rodriguez's agent. He wants to promote his brand. It's not all about that, you know, and I mean, like the going to the smaller market teams, I do think that there's a market for him in the sense of that he wants to push further his own brand as well. You know what I mean? You no, know, yeah. I think I think that if he signs anywhere that's a bigger market, whether it's New York or just say LA or whatever, I, mean, I think it's just a, a nice coincidence to it. Because I mean, you can be that guy anywhere you go. You bring up a Rod, a Rod signed with the Rangers. I mean, like which blows my mind, which is yeah. true though. That's that's ten, ten years two fifty two. People like I, I know that it's it's easy. Like everybody talks about a lot of the small little things here and there, and a lot of those things do matter to a degree. Mm-hmm. But like the true thing that that does matter, it, it's it's just the money. It's just the contract. Like that's the only thing that's driving any of this. These guys will believe that they can win anywhere that they go because they think that they're that good, which is part of why you're that great. Um, so like if he goes and signs with Detroit, it's it's not that he's, you know, sign, I mean he's not going there being worried about market or marketability. Like he's going to make money. He's going to do all of his typical stuff that he always does um, mm-hmm. anywhere else. So. That that factor, I do think, is is definitely not as significant for people. And you're right about the, the leadership thing you're talking about. Like that, that's going to be a, there's going to be a dent there for the Astros. That's you know, I'm not worried about that clubhouse working. That clubhouse is so professional, and they have a, a lot of really quiet leadership. That's not like Cray, but he did become the st- team spokesperson. You always saw him go to the mound uh, when a pitcher was you know, when they would have a visit with a pitcher because he's kind of the guy that deal it. So we'll be on somebody to step up, whether that's somebody that's already here, uh, maybe somebody that they bring in. I look to, it's going to, I think that this guy has to work himself into that role. But to me, Alex Bregman is a guy that you would like to see kind of step into it, but he's going to have to get back to being Alex Bregman to play before he can complete, completely, excuse me, be that guy for them this season. Of Absolutely. Of course. Yeah. And I hope, I hope at some point he can get to that point, but or get back to form to a degree. But I guess just for me in regards to Carlos Correa, look like I'm probably 95% of how the fans feel because of the fact that I've been a big follower of his from the very beginning. When we drafted him back in 2012, when he announces the number one pick, I mean, he looked like a bright eyed, bushy tailed version of Kevin Martin when he got drafted. (laughs) And I was a huge fan and I was a big fan of his. I was at my ex-girlfriend's place and I was very excited. He was one of the ones I wanted. I followed him from the very beginning with his uh, humble beginnings and his rise up to the ranks, his rookie year in 2015 becoming rookie of the year and i knew from the get-go i was like there's something special about this guy i do agree with you michael in terms of what you said about never putting together a full mvp season he just never did it it never it was never at the numbers that i anticipated like i thought i was gonna get um close maybe three you know 300 average close to 300 average maybe 30 bombs and he still hasn't even ticked to 30 bombs an entire year so he hasn't even hit that so it's like I can understand why they gave it to Tatis. I can understand why they get paid Trout. At the end of the day, I'm an, I, my emotions want Correa to stay. 
obviously Same. because of what he brings to the table, how he went to bat for us, how how much of a leader. Like I'm just reiterating everything that y'all said, but like the leader that he is, I'm look, I'm probably one of his biggest fans. I, he's my favorite player. He's been my favorite player for the longest time. I told the GM, I was like, when he does leave, this is going to hurt me. Like it's legit going to bother me to the point where I don't know if I can do opening day. Just, just, just because like, it's, it's that breakup, man. Like I can't yeah. get over it, but no, I, I'm the same you know, way. It's just, it's heartbreaking. Cause you know, he's mm-hmm. always there. He's been that steadfast player and he's been there since, you know, we took on the Yankees in the wild card in 2015 and he's been at the center of it all. So, you know, I hope that, you know, maybe a miracle throw can get made, but I highly doubt it. <laughs> if there's a miracle, it's all Jim Crane. I mean, it'd be exactly. Jim Crane waking up one day and saying, Hey, I want to do this, but I, you know, I've, I've been lucky enough to have some conversations with Jim in the past, and I sat with him um, at spring training years ago, and we flat out had this long conversation about contracts. And at the time, this was going into the 2016 season. He was like, I would never give anybody a deal more than six years. And he's like, the numbers prove it out that, you know, those contracts always go bad. And he stuck to that. And I don't blame him one bit going off. He's, he's very much an analytics guy. That's why this team is where they're at. The numbers always the numbers don't lie, and that's that's just the unfortunate truth for Carlos. But it will be he's because he's my favorite player too. He's been my favorite player. I, I used to fight with people all the time about him because you you'd get these dumbasses that would come in and just hey, you got to trade him, you got to do this, you got to like just trust me. This guy's super talented. You don't want any part of getting rid of this guy. He's mm. one of the best players on the team, one of the best players in the league. But it's gonna suck to watch him put on a different uniform. Absolutely. Oh man, yeah. That's why I'm like. You know, we, we should just let's hope that we can sign Starling Marte, even though yeah. I love my my dude Jake Myers and time to hop on the Jeremy Pena train. Me and Kenny, we watched him quite a bit in Sugarland and that guy could swing the bat and he's he's got the men, he's got the makeup of someone that could potentially replace him, but obviously he's not gonna be as good. He won't have any leadership. The man's twenty-four, but I'd like to believe that this team has, you know they have him in the back pocket in the sense of being a shortstop. I wouldn't move Bregman over. Let's keep Bregman at third. He has already got the hot corner set on deadlock and let's just keep it that way. And maybe Pena or maybe it'll be someone else like a shortstop gap, but we'll see how it goes. But I mean, I mean, in my opinion, I think that if we can somehow get Marte, then this team will be very, very, very solid. Still, we still got Kyle Tucker who I believe will probably have an MVP season in the next one or two years. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree on the Kyle Tucker love. I've always been kind of like with I did with people with Korea. I had to fight with people on Kyle Tucker all the time because people just say, hey, he's never going to be any good. I'm like, just trust me. You got to wait. These guys mature at different levels. It takes them a little bit longer. But the um, I think getting Marte would be huge. And here's the thing. They, they can they can replace Correa's production uh, yeah, offensively. It's like the it's, numbers. It's, the numbers it's, it's very, it's very replaceable. The defense you're not going to replace. You're not going to get anybody that's near as good defensively, and the leadership stuff you're not going to replace because the, he is legit that guy. But they can, you know, I'm not going to be the biggest fan of of going with Jeremy Pena and Aladdin Diaz per se. And I'm I'm with you though on Bregman that they, they do not need to move him off of third base. He's a third baseman. I don't think he's ever coming off of there. And I'm too concerned about his legs staying healthy long term. Yeah. Um, but they they absolutely. I think should be at least investigating the the market on shortstops. And I'm only talking about really, to me, the only guys that you play on is Simeon or Mark or uh, Trevor Story. And I really don't think they'll give, go for either. So if they can, if they can keep 
you know, if Pena can hit a little bit or hit hit enough, if he can show enough of the stuff that he did in the minor leagues where he started to really get hard contact all the time and, and really has improved his skills and he's he's maturing as well. Like I can remember when I first saw him in spring training years ago, he looked like a little kid and he's turned into a grown ass man. Um, yeah, he's like mini John Carlos Stanton. Yeah, I mean, if, <laughs> if he can, if he can continue to develop, which I know that they're a lot higher on him as he's moved along because he's gotten better and better and better. Then that's fine. That you know that that that's good. That can help you. But it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what they do at that position because I do think that that's the route that they're gonna take right now. All right, let's move on. But before we do, we need to give a shout out and an ad to the greatest and best anime streetwear label in the entire city of Houston. That's right. I'm talking about the culture, the culture changing brand that is Day Off. Are you tired of the same old anime tees? Are you tired of the same old mall core look? Don't you want to see some older classic animes getting love? Well, be sure to check out the brand Day Off for your retro anime goods from animes like Macross and Neon Genesis Evangelion to Cowboy Bebop, My Hero Academia, and my personal favorite Shokugeki no Soma. Day Off is your source for anime-induced graphic mayhem. You can use the code right now, Day Off Summit, for a 10% off discount at Day Off Shop. That is D-A-Y-O-F-F.shop. And if you've been on his Instagram lately, he's going to get ready to drop a crazy bomb on everybody. December 5th, 2021, count the days starting now, he's going to introduce a new line from Day Off called Day Off Tribe. What it is, none of us knows. I got a little sneak peek of it, though. It looks absolutely incredible. It's going to change the line forever. It's going to change anime streetwear forever. And this is going to be a big-time moment for our sponsor, for Chris Chavez, and for the brand Day Off. So be sure to check back in as the days count down to December 5th, 2021, and introducing the brand new Day Off Tribe. That's right. And when you want to get updates on that, go on his Instagram or you can go on his website once again with the Day Off Summit discount. Day Off Summit, that is D-A-Y-O-F-F dot shop. Let's talk about also some good news too, because last week, I mean, we were not even last week, just a few days ago, we were shocked. I mean, absolutely shocked at the reacquisition of Justin Verlander, who kept us down to the wire, who, you know, Astros Twitter was going nuts. We were like, oh, man, he hasn't turned it down yet. This, You know, mostly we knew he was going to turn it down. But when he turned it down and then, what, a half hour later, Ben Verlander breaks the news that he was returning. Michael, I just wanted to ask you, you know, the return of the ace, Justin Verlander, you know, the last of a dying breed here. He's back. He's what we missed during the World Series, obviously. How do you feel about the return of him? I'm beyond excited. Um, I am shocked. Like, you guys, I... So anything that I'd heard was like, he's not coming back. And I was like, okay, he's not coming back, um, mm-hmm. which would have sucked. But I mean, there's obviously risk to it. There's, we've never really seen a pitcher come back from Tommy John surgery at the age of 39 like this, but he is, and people keep saying it, it's just the truth. He's a different animal. That's why he's at where he's at in his career and why he's done what he's done because he's a freaking machine. And I thought it was good on him to do that. We heard him say it during the year that he was, you know, it gnawed at him that he got that big extension and pitched one game, pitched six innings. Um, and I was always hopeful that it would happen. It's it's a lot of money again to to give to a guy not knowing one how much workload can he take this season, but two how his body's going to respond to any of it. But I do have faith that he'll come back. Like if it, if they they sent, I think it was I think I heard six or eight guys to his workout down there in Florida. Um, and he's his stuff is there. He's throwing ninety four to ninety seven like they were saying. 
I have no doubt that he'll come back in at some point. He's going to be Justin Verlander again because he's just one of those dudes. And they, you're right. They needed that badly to get him back. Mm-hmm. As much Absolutely. as I love Lance McCullers, as much, much as I love these young arms, they need that one guy. And to retain him and also to keep him away from anybody else in the American League that was looking for his services is just as big. Absolutely. I agree. It's it's absolutely big time that the fact that he returned because we really missed that in the World Series. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, the offense was obviously it was sporadic, but, you know, you needed those those horses that can that can, you know, eat the innings. And he just couldn't know those pitchers could do it. You know, Fromber obviously couldn't do it. And that's my whole thing with Lance. Like, I love Lance. Um, I met Lance one time. Also, he's a great dude. Really, really nice. Really down to earth. But on a professional standpoint, I mean, he just hasn't stayed healthy. And that's just been the thing. That, it's hard. Yeah, yeah. And I know it's hard. And I can I mean, it's imagine hard, it's hard to it deal is. with. I mean, it's hard to yeah. deal with. Like, I mean, it's hard to stand, like, be like, oh, my God. Like, he finally took that leap in the regular season this year where he's healthy yes. and he's and he's doing yep. all this stuff. But it just, then game you know, four. it just uh, sucks. And I don't know if it changes, obviously, the, the World Series. I, feel, I would feel better about the World Series chances. Uh, mm-hmm. of you winning but you're right the offense was the reason why they lost that series because they just shriveled up and just couldn't hit at all um but man it's it, it they they to add verlander to that mix with with mccullers and then you think all these other guys take steps forward and who's in the rotation next year I mean, they got seven guys right now i don't yep. think that all seven are going to be here i think they'd probably love to cha- trade jake odorizzi i don't know if they're going to be able to unless they basically send majority of his salary uh, with him, which I don't think that they would be opposed to doing. Um, I do think that Framber Valdez could get traded. I really do. So, you know, what they do in terms of that, I don't know. But they've got – at least they have a surplus of pitching at the moment. Which is something that people really um, – you know, we are have an embarrassment of riches in the sense of youth for our rotation. I mean, Christian Javier was coming out the bullpen. The guy could be starting anywhere, you know. And I think that that's so crucial. And – if you believe that Fromber is to be traded, he was the one that Kenny was just like done with. Luis Garcia showed. I, just, I saw got, enough. It's the way he pouts. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but it's just the way that Fromber no, you're pouts. Good. And I can just see his attitude towards uh, on the mound when it would just kind of change on a dime. And mm-hmm. that's not what you want, you know, when when you need someone that can uh, mm-hmm. turn around in an inning if you give up two walks to start an inning or give up two hits. It's not what you want. So, yeah, yeah no, I, mean, I get that. Yeah. I mean, Luis fought back, like, what was it? Game three when he pitched in Atlanta, mm-hmm. when he really showed, you know, he had the bases loaded. What was it like with one out, no outs. And he got out the inning with the just one run and he's, Oh no. Was that her kitty? I'm so confused now. I don't remember. No, no, it was, it was Garcia. It was Garcia. Okay. Yeah. Garcia was just so solid. He, like, he came back strong and you could tell he fought adversity. And he came back and pitched just fine. We've never really seen like Fromber. He's very like high and low and he's extremely high. But when he gets low, he's extremely low. We've never really seen him fight back in the sense. We've seen him get out of certain situations a little bit. Like I remember in Chicago against the White Sox, he got out of some bad situations, but that game is still relatively close uh, for game two of the ALDS. But Luis Garcia, I just believe that he's someone that's going to be a staple two or three behind Lance McCullers. Um, let's just hope that Hunter Brown or Forrest Whitley can come back and really uh, push that button and really be able to continue this embarrassment of riches of youth that we have. So I'm not opposed to trading Fromber. 
maybe Jose Arquiti, but I really like Arquiti. He's just nails in the playoffs, man. He's like our Brandon Backey. You know, Brandon Backey was just not so great in the regular season, but come playoff time, the guy will throw eight innings and give one hit baseball against the cards. And I'm like, who is this guy? You know, but that's, that's, I mean, obviously that's very high to think, but Rikidi, he's the one that got us that one win we really needed in 2019 against the nationals. So I just think that overall super duper solid Our pitching is just fine. If we can trade for a better arm, I think we're good. I would totally be down for that. Yeah. The biggest question is going to be what they do with the bullpen, obviously Graveman free agent. Um, And then, who the hell is my forgetting? Yumi Garcia, free agent. Um, mm. So, right. Guys, you can't park right now. I'm in the middle of doing this. Um, <laughs> those, um, but no, if I, I, I don't know if they're necessarily going to keep Graveman. I don't know if they're going to keep, I think Garcia is way more affordable option to keep. So that, they, that to me now, just getting Verlander back, you know, and with what they have with the, with the rest of the rotation, I, I think they just need to focus on the bullpen in terms of pitching. And, you know, that that's, they're good to go there. I'm comfortable with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can only hope for the best. And I think towards the end of the off season, we get, we're probably going to end up getting you back on just to kind of recap, <laughs> obviously just to recap what, what moves were made. Hopefully, uh, I don't hopefully, hopefully there is an off season. Yeah. Yeah. No. With, with, oh my goodness. That's a whole nother ball game that I don't even want to yeah. get into. So, okay. Before we go home on the pod here, um, Michael, would you, would you be down to playing quick game with us? Sure. Let's go. Let's do it. Okay. We like to draft. We always do this. Well, all Rockets draft, all NBA draft. We usually draft. And uh, I wanted to put out a scenario for us to draft. Uh, let's say we're in the playoffs. Uh, I don't, I'm not going to say which team we're playing against. We're in the World Series. You can pick your top three high-end starters, high-leverage starters that you're going to use all time in Astros history. They have to have played. Um, I mean, it has to be at the skill level they had played when they were here. I mean, obviously, and then that may be my, I, I would say, how about we can go three starters and a closer. Okay. Three starters. Oh, I, li- and a closer. I, I like, I like that. And I, like I will that. gift our very special guest, Mr. Connors for the uh, first pick. Uh, I get the first pick. You do get the and first pick. The, I, I think, I think yeah. the first pick has a ton of pressure to it. Do you want the I third? Think, do you, well, you pick. Do no, you no, no. First, I'll second, take the first pick. <laughs> I think that there's, I, but I, cause I think there's four legit options here yes. that you take with the okay. first pick. But I'm going to go with the man that was the 2017 LCS MVP. I know that he struggled the last World Series, um, but nobody stepped up bigger in the postseason than Justin Verlander. Oof. Very solid. That's a Very great, solid. great first pick. All right. All right. Uh, GM, did you want the second pick or do you want to do you want to be third? I'll let you decide. You you can go second. I'll go oh, third. Oh, of course. So he can snake it and get two picks. <laughs> this is obviously by design. Scheming. The, the, his nickname is the GM for a reason. He's obviously he's obviously scheming from the start. Okay, uh, for me, I'm gonna go with. I, I was a big fan of his. Uh, obviously, he helped us be. I mean, he helped us with our first World Series berth ever with the with the nails game in Game Six. After on the back end of the Albert Pujols game running uh, a home run in Game Five, I'm gonna go with Roy Oswald. I gotta go with Roy O with the with the twelve six curve. I mean, mm-hmm. he was nastiest, one of the nastiest arsenals I saw, and and he's obviously he's big time. I mean, he struggled in he, a couple games in the World Series, but I mean, look, he was nails, and uh, he that's someone I can lean on, and and you know, in these pressure situations, I'll put him in as my game one starter. So off to you, GM. Who you got? Okay, well, if I were to go with anyone um, for my game one starter, I'm gonna go with our 1986 MVP, Mike Scott. Mm-hmm. Mike Scott was untouchable. 
in 86. And if we got to a game seven, you probably could have gotten to the world series over the Mets. So I think Mike Scott was someone that people forget about because he was just, I wouldn't say he was a flash in the pan, but he was dominant for about two years. And he was someone that my dad would always talk about to me. Like, you know, when we would talk about pitchers, he'd like, Oh man, Mike Scott was something else. You should have saw him, you know, and he was, he's the one that I would go. I would give the ball to game one too. Absolutely. Now, Kenny took who I, who my other pitcher I wanted was Roy O, but I'm going to go my game two starters. I'm not going to change. Uh, he's going to be someone that throws hard. I'm going to go Garrett Cole for game two. Uh, even though he did not pitch so great against the nationals, he still, I would, Hey, I would pick him. Too. Well. He was hey, one of my yeah. people always, I, I know this is a blast blasphemous to some people. He will forever be one of my favorite pitchers. The Astros ever had. Oh, same here, man. Same here. Like I, I'll tell you just a short story real quick. I watched, I went to go to Milwaukee by myself in 2019 Labor Day weekend. Um, the day after Verlander threw the no hitter, I was in Milwaukee uh, to watch him against the Brewers and he threw eight innings of one hit ball. And I told Kenny, I was like, before that game, I was like, dude, I feel like Cole's going to come out and try to throw a no hitter too. Cause he sees Verlander is like, okay, they always try to one up each other. And mm-hmm. I loved that inner team competitiveness and to see him go out there and just straight up dominate the Brewers. That lineup was very good in 2019 too. They got to the NLCS and lost the Dodgers. So Watching that game, I was just like, this guy is next level, man. I can I could not wait to see him in the playoffs that year. Um, and God, yeah, Garrett Cole was just I loved him too, man. Despite all the negative pub he got, the stupid uh, what was it, the Boros Corporation hat bullshit. But when he was an Astro, man, he was next level. And I don't think anyone could really touch that, in my opinion. I'm right there with you. So it's me again. Is it my pick? Oh no no it's back to oh because he snaked it so he took two. Oh, did, he, did he just take two he yeah I took two and then Cole. and then and then it goes back to Kenny Scott Cole and then, Cole, and then oh, see I'm yeah. terrible at the snake system you guys just tell me what to <laughs> <laughs> no, I got you bro um okay so it's it's on me um I want to avoid I want to avoid because I easily could have just picked three pitchers from the same damn starting rotation in 05. And I uh, don't want to do that. So I'm going to change it up. And I got I, I to say this. I got to preface it by saying this. I, I think I have the least Astros knowledge out of the both of y'all. But I, I like to think I know enough to pick this guy at least. I got to go Nolan Ryan, man. Got to go Nolan Ryan. Got to go with the Ryan Express, obviously. He's a lead, you know. There, legend. There's, no, there's nothing wrong with picking him. He's kind of yeah. good. <laughs> just, just a little bit. Just a little, just a little bit, bit right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, look. He's a, he's a legend, one of the greatest pitchers of all time. I got to go Nolan Ryan. Now you're making me think like, God, do I do I flip flop it and put Nolan Ryan as my number one starter and put Royals Walls as the number two? That that that's on me. I'll figure that out later. But uh, I'll move it over to you now, uh, Michael. It's on you. So you have actually have two picks. You're your snakes. Okay. You're the snake. So you're actually picking your number two, and number three starter. So I'm gonna go with two guys that um, I love and two guys I always love. We talked about him earlier. Number one, I'll take Randy Johnson. So he'll be my game two. I mean, that guy was. We never said that guy was insane when he was an Astro. He's an insane when he left the Astros. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'd follow him up. I'll go with the rocket, Roger Clemens. There you that, go. That guy in the postseason did his thing as well. Oh his, until, until his hammy uh, screwed up in Chicago in that wet, cold night. Um, that guy was, that guy was money. Absolutely. It's great. Solid two picks. And I think you have a closer remaining. So that, that'll come back to you at uh, around after. Picks off to me. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Andy Pettit. Got to go. Andy Pettit. I need a. Le- I'm gonna oh, put a lefty. I need to put a lefty in the lineup. Uh, 
Michael took my lefty. <laughs> <laughs> I think I took everybody's lefty. Hey, you took everybody's yeah. lefty. Because I was thinking, my house, like, gosh, I could go righty, lefty, righty. But I was like, nah, let me, I need Nolan. I don't want to lose Nolan here. So I got to, so I'll take Andy Pettit here as my number three starter. I think he would just, I think he'd just be nails for me. Uh, obviously, is what he's proven in 05 in the big games that he played in. So uh, over mm. to you now, GM. You're going to pick your number three starter oh. and closer. Oof, man. I'm going to go with, uh, my man from 04 rotation, Tim Redding. Totally kidding. Totally kidding. Um, <laughs> I know there, there's, a, there's a lot of names I could go with here. Like, do I want to go in the 90s or to go 2000s? You know, like, it was like a, a part. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I really would love to go like my Campton or like Jose Lima, but I'm going to go Dallas Keuchel. Cy Young, you know, changing speeds, just like Andy Pettit. Um, very similar in the sense of what uh, their arsenal was left side pinpoint accuracy, always location, 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 sinker ball pitcher, someone that's going to induce some double plays. So I'm going to go Keiko here. Oh, no, wait. Sorry. I'm closer, right? I already got two no, and three. Yeah, no. So Keiko's your three. So now you have a, now you pick a closer. Now you're closer. Yeah. Okay. Now I got my closer. Okay. All right. If I'm going to go closer, I'm going to go Billy Wagner. As much as I love the other guys. Well, you just took everyone's closer. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, that's the closer. Billy, Billy, Wagner, <laughs> Billy, Billy Wagner was my guy. You, you know, like watching him come out uh, every time. I was like, yo, this game's over. Every time in the 90s and the early 2000s. So, yeah, I got to go with my boy Wags. <laughs> All right. Now, as much as much as I as much as I love uh, as much as I love Wheeler, I could say Wheeler. I could say because not even really a true closer. I could say Osuna. <laughs> I'm going to go with Brad Lidge, man. I got to go with Brad Lidge as my uh, closer. It's a tough one. I got to um, go with Brad Lidge. So, yeah, obviously. Yeah, I, I, obviously. He was a great. Now, he was a great closer. I, just I got to go. Yeah. Moment, can I pick? It, can I pick Brad Lidge before? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I guess you, you technically can. <laughs> the whole bomb that changed before. all of our lives. Oh, it changed yeah. all. It, it, it totally it tanked my rookie card value, which is a dang shame. But that's it tanked okay. his career here. <laughs> um, all right, over to you now. For me, this is this is now. See, I'm gonna. That, that's the one thing the Astros don't have a, and they have a history of some good closers. Um, you know, I'm make gonna go a starter with a, close. <laughs> I'm gonna. Oh well, yeah, I'll go Charlie Morton then. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not gonna go with a guy. That, I'm gonna go with a guy that I'm watching, and uh, I also really like him as a person because he's really awesome. That's just I'm making it personal. Ryan Presley, I'll just take him. I I love watching him pitch. His stuff is so good. I, I think he's one of the most underrated pitchers in the game consistently. Absolutely, man. And uh, I'm so happy for him that he got healthy this season and pitched to his capability because he deserved a shot and he proved that he can close at this level consistently. Mm-hmm. Unhittable, unhittable. So, all right, so that's going to close out our draft and close out our podcast. Michael, thanks so much for joining us, dude. We really appreciate you coming on. It's been a, it's been a treat. It's been an honor. You you hopped into the juice box with us, so we appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you guys having <laughs> me, and uh, I look forward to doing it again at some point. For sure. Oh, real quick before we end on the pod, let me roll out the red carpet for you real quick. Any shout outs? Anything you want to plug for your uh, for what's going on with you? I'll just shout outs to you guys. You got you guys get all the pub. I mean, you can always follow me on Twitter at MC790. <laughs> That's the place to go. be. There you go. Oh, I, <laughs> Thanks, I, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. So good stuff, Michael. Thank you so much for getting us on the pod. And uh, we hope to get you on again soon. We'll do it. Awesome. Sounds good. He's on fire. Jamie's log. Progressive. The Harrington's backyard. Day four. 2.18 a.m. 
I've been camping outside the Harrington house for four days now, proving that Progressive has 24-7 protection. Mr. Harrington says I don't need to do this, since Progressive protects 24-7 is a pretty easy concept to grasp, but I'm going to stay and prove my point. Besides, there's a big tree branch over the roof, and I think it's planning something. Progressive doesn't just offer a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, just not literally from Jamie. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers, and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. The Summit. Four, 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 four. Five.